Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm with my co-host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guests and what we're going to be talking about today? No long introduction needed today, everybody. I've worked with this gentleman. He's a smart guy building an awesome company with very, very smart technology. Tukan Das, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks a lot, Ollie. Glad to have you on. So um, I was going to ask you, and you just... Uh, it completely blew my mind two minutes before I hit record here. I was going to ask you, how did Leadsif start and how did the idea become a sellable product? What happened in between? But I've just learned you made a big pivot from when it actually started to towards what it now is. So can you can you start off with telling yeah, yeah. us about that? Yeah, sure. So we started about eight years ago, myself and, and a couple of my other founders, all technical folks with background in in natural language processing and, and, and data, data mining. Um, we, we had this idea that there was a lot of great useful information available out there on, on the public web. Uh, they're mostly unstructured. And, and what we thought of is, what if we could use our knowledge and technology in information interaction, uh, extraction and data science is to analyze that data and then pick up signals that could better connect brands with, with their customers. Uh, that's where the idea started. Uh, we didn't even realize what leads were. Um, so we, we iterated on that a little bit. We went through an accelerator here in Atlantic Canada. Uh, and, and that's when we started. We, we, uh, we, we started the business 2012 October, where we basically said, well, how about we identify people that are looking to buy a new car um, and we could give that information to a Ford or a Jaguar or a Chrysler or people who are looking to buy an iPhone or a Samsung, and we could give that information to LG and MasterCard and things like that. So that's where we started the business, is, was mining publicly available unstructured data to, to identify people in the buying journey. That, that's how we started. And uh, sorry, Sean, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, so that, that, that's a great introduction to the, the next question. Is, so you have, you have three kind of tech co-founders. Um, who were your first hires after that? Because you guys were all tech. Were you guys looking mm. for sales, marketing, operations? Like, where did you guys go next to start to scale the business? Yeah, it's a funny story. So we had the tech part sorted, right? A lot of people struggle with that. We, yep. we had front end back and all of that sorted. The first thing that we did was we raised venture capital money. And then the first thing I remember, I reached out to our uh, board chairman and said, we're looking to hire a sales and marketing person. And I remember him, him saying, is like, do you want a sales or a marketing? I'm like, what's the <laughs> difference? Isn't it the same thing? So that's, that's, that's how naive we were. But our first hire was a salesperson, like a sales lead. And he came from uh, a large enterprise. He came from like Salesforce. Yeah. And, and if I could add one more thing, uh, and he was phenomenal uh, as a salesperson, but hi. Hindsight is 2020, and I think that was one of our biggest mistake we made. Is early on when there was no product, there was literally a proof of concept, um, and we raised money on that idea and that initial traction from the proof of concept. We ended up going and hiring a salesperson because we, as tech people, we were comfortable writing code, not selling, um, and uh, that that was a big mistake and it's no fault. And I repeat, it's absolutely no fault to that person who we hired. Even if you had the best salesperson, if you don't have a product, you, if you do not have everything built out, the whole objections, um, you shouldn't be hiring. So as the, the founders need to sell and, yeah. and we fixed it when we pivoted, but, but yeah. So 
you you feel like that was a little bit too soon potentially uh, maybe the product needed a bit of development and i know exactly what you're going to say it's that you're the technical founders you're not necessarily comfortable or maybe you don't feel you have the skill set at that exact moment to go and sell so how did you actually break through that because yeah. at some point you've got a imagine down the road maybe you've got 10 sales reps in a few years time and they want your help with a big deal but if you're not up, up at that level to help them with it then you can't so you got to cross that chasm somehow look the uh, the i f- i firmly believe that um if if you're a founder of a company the first few products sold whether whatever industry are needs to be founder led it doesn't matter how technical you are how uncomfortable you are you have to do it just because no one has the same vision about the product as you do um no one has the same passion about you do and 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 no one a, a, a salesperson would not be able to understand the nuances convey the value prop and then get that feedback back to the team which is super key so i think every the first sales need to be done by founders they are the ones that need to be calling people prospecting demoing learning iterating passing the product feedback to engineering and going through that loop um, so that's number one what we did was about three and a half years into our journey um selling into these large fortune 100 companies you name it we work with all of them um we had to pivot Uh, we had to pivot because we were getting some traction but not a repeatable enough model and that's where we we were like well we we need to either pivot or we need to shut down the business there were a couple aqua hire offers they were just like good on paper we didn't want to take that and and we decided to pivot and and that's when we came up with this idea of leadsift in its current form is well and it stumbled upon us by saying because we had an sdr that was manually prospecting and it's like can leadsift instead of telling who's looking to buy your car can it predict who's looking to buy a new software and we're like damn we never thought about it if if there is one person doing that if if we would need that because we'd be the first customer then there would be other companies and that's where we did the pivot and that's when we basically we didn't have a choice we had to trim our team and start from scratch and and that's when we we i said you know what i'm going to do the sales all of it um and and that's 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 where i started doing the sales myself first yeah amazing um so another question i know this is something that you know a lot of a lot of the audience will love to know and a lot of people ask is you know you've been around now for a little bit and i'm sure you've had things that have really worked and things that have really you know not worked is there anything in specific marketing or sales wise is it seo content writing blogs etc newsletters anything that you guys started to do and you said you know what this is really working we're going to double down on this um was it ppc or anything specific that really took leadsift to the next level couple things initially when we when we did the pivot we doubled down heavily on outbound yeah um and we were dog fooding our own system so we were using leadsift to help us predict who were looking to buy uh, another lead generation or intent data i think intent data was not even defined then it was more sales intelligence yeah so outbound worked really really well uh, for the first two years between 2016 to 2018 80% of our revenue was from outbound sales we got the data and and and, and so that that really worked um and then recently uh, paid advertisement um, google facebook uh, ads targeted ads are are really working uh, so those are two things that have that have, that have really worked well for us So the, uh, on the more recent part of that, um, mm-hmm. in the news over the past couple of weeks, you'd be struggling to not see some of the 
what you could call competitors to Litif get in all the funding and all these kind of things. But I, I think the space that you're in, it's sort of not understood that well, but there are quite a few players in it already. So have you found it difficult to explain it to people, especially in the early days, but what about now? Is yeah. it hard to explain what it means and do people still sort of need that educational piece? Whereas someone like a HubSpot, you just say it and everyone knows what it means. Let me, let me ask you this uh, thing, Ali. If you talk to any B2B salesperson or a marketing person, and if you ask them, what is your number one pain point? What they would want to know is finding more leads, better leads, people that are looking to buy. Forget intent data, forget predictive analytics, forget ABM, everything. That's something that is the most important thing any sales and marketing yep. person. Uh, what we are trying to do is not all of your total addressable market is looking to buy your product. Uh, at any given time, it's about three to 5%. We try to help you identify who that is. Um, if you break it down in that way, then it doesn't really need any education. Everyone understands. It's like air, literally. Um, so I, I personally think that is one of the most important things in for, for a sales and marketing leader, right? In B2B. Um, now, understanding one good thing that is happening is um, there is intent is become, has become one of the hottest thing in the B2B MarTech land, landscape, right? Um, and that's great. That has helped us tremendously because it has created awareness. When you talk, we're getting a ton of inbound leads where they are researching other vendors and then they come see our ad or see our content and they come to us and they're like, hey, we're thinking about it, but you guys have this unique edge um, and that's where our value proposition comes in. So I'm not really worried about, you know, our other uh, vendors raising a lot of money. And that's that's great. It, to be honest with you, it increases the whole awareness around this space. Uh, we are targeting a very different segment than they are. Uh, a lot of our competitors go after large upmarket. We are going small to mid-market. Um, and I think we, based on latest G2 reviews, if that's what the one of the parameters are um, I think we're in the top six so that's okay I mean and I think there will be more players but we have a unique edge we're 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 solving a very specific pain point and I think the truth is there is space for a bunch of different vendors and a lot of our customers actually believe it or not use us and some of our competitors for the best results so and I think that will be the way to go so so yeah I'm not too concerned <laughs> um, I love asking this question Tell the audience, maybe, I mean, every, every founder has made more than one mistake. Tell one mistake that you can look back on. You're like, you know, this is, you know, was it a bad hire? Was it, uh, you know, the pivot? One mistake that you would like the audience to know that you went through um, in this journey? Just one, Sean? <laughs> what? You can do one or two today. Sure, as, as you know, there's probably many. There, there's plenty of them. I think one thing I already mentioned was, and I'll repeat it, is early on, the first thing we thought was, well, we are tech guys, we are going to build this stuff and customers are automatically going to come. Why don't we go write code? Let's get a, yeah. a, a VP of sales to automatically sell this stuff. Uh, that's a big, big, big mistake. Uh, but the one big mistake, if I look back in all of them, is, is not paying enough importance as a CEO to the culture of the company. I, yeah. I, I, I always heard this thing, uh, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I never really understood. And I didn't, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what culture means, but I never thought how important it is to yeah. have a nice group of people working together. Um, and they might not be the most brilliant, but there's no place for brilliant jerks in a startup in the early stage. So I think 
that would be one of my biggest learnings is, is having the right kind of people and building a good, kind, empathetic culture that, that manifests into so many other things, uh, you, you'll be surprised. And, and I, you know, I have to agree with, agree with you 100%. I think it's one thing that people don't focus on early on, but if you build the right team and write the right culture early on, it'll only help you down the road because people will, will want to work with your company because they want to be part of that family. 100%. Um, Let's just wrap things up. I have one last question for you, though. Um, how do you currently self-educate yourself? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read any books? If so, which is your favorite? And then right after that, if you could just let people know where they can find you, if they have any questions about the podcast, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I don't listen to enough podcasts. I do read books and listen to audiobooks. Yeah. And I spend, I read a lot of threads on Twitter. I've been reading a lot of interesting threads on Twitter. In terms of books, uh, I, I, I read a lot of business books. The book that I'm reading uh, currently uh, is called Indistractable by Nirayal. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. And, and I, I, I have read personally as a startup founder, learned a lot by reading the couple books that Ben Horowitz published, Hard yeah. Thing About Hard Things. And you are what you say who you are. I, I forget what it I'm is called. I'm genuinely reading that one right now. I'm halfway second, through it. The second one? The first one is brilliant. Oh, uh, Unbelievable the, the ups and downs that he went through. It, but it's it incredible. Me, I've got vertigo thinking about it, but it is, it is good. It, it is incredible. So yeah. Perfect. And where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, well, the best way would be LinkedIn. Uh, yep. You can look up by Tukan Das, or you can go to leadsev.com, learn to learn more about Leadsev, or you can reach out to me by email, tdas at leadsev.com. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much, Tukin, for joining us today. This has been an absolute blast and a wealth of knowledge for the audience today. And also, thank you for everybody that's listening. If you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening from and subscribe so you don't miss the next show. See you soon. And thanks once again for joining us today. Thanks, guys.